Welcome to the School of Splice. I'm Rashad. And I'm Ellen. In this series, we're going to help you build a viable media business by exploring the problems faced by other media entrepreneurs. There are so many areas of journalism. It's business, it's news, politics, technology, maybe sports. But some media companies cover everything. And if it's happening, then it's news. But for others, focusing on vertical is the key to unlocking success. Today's entrepreneur, until very recently, worked in one of those more niche publications, one which focuses on the arts. Uh, I work as the editor of Arts Equator. And that's, um, I mean, we're an art media organization. We cover the arts in Southeast Asia, uh, but we are kind of headquartered in Singapore. And I always find that uh, important to say because, you know, we, we say that we cover the arts in Southeast Asia, but often it's quite Singapore-centric. And that is Nabila Syed, formerly from Arts Equator, a publication covering arts across Southeast Asia. She's currently at Continentalist. I usually call myself a playwright and an editor. So I work in the Singapore theatre scene as a playwright um, and I make theatre uh, and I often uh, do a lot of like different kind of art projects. My job role is like editor but really I mean we're a very small team of three people so I support like any kind of projects that require like content creation so that could be kind of creating like video content for so sometimes we have clients who want us to create content that doesn't sit on our website and sits more on like you know their kind of platforms um, we also do like mentorship for writers in Southeast Asia so I'm currently mentoring like six writers from around the region sometimes I do other things like training also kind of host podcasts with different people as well so a lot of things Arts Equator produces a bunch of great content Articles, reviews, podcasts, all on the art scene in Southeast Asia. It has a pretty clear mission and direction. But what Nabila was hoping to find was more about what the audience wanted from the publication. So going into the School of Splice, Nabila had a couple of assumptions about what the audience wanted. Certain initial assumptions or curiosities that I had going into School of Splice has been, uh, there were three. One is that I felt that users want less content. One is that they want to feel engaged as a community, just based on how other media organizations are run, like including Splice, for example. Uh, and the third one is that the content should be targeted or uh, maximized for different things besides the website. In our previous episode, we talked about how you can identify who your audience is and then use that information to work out what role your publication plays in their lives. Once you know that, you can figure out a product that fits into your audience's lifestyle. But to do this successfully, it's important to reframe how you think about these problems. Yeah, so does the audience really want less content? Do they want more content? Do they need a specific problem solved? Maybe the problem is that your publication is providing content that strays from what your users actually want. So instead of users want less content, it became like, what problems do users need solving? Instead of users want to feel engaged as a community, it's what constitutes meaningful engagement for the users. And then the last one, you know, content being not just for the website, it became more of how do users want to engage with our products. So I just put the user at the start of things uh, and then um, went from there. Nabila worked with our friend and coach Jane Marnie. They used to previously head reader revenue at private media. 
to refine the questions that Arts Equator would ask its audience in an audience survey. And one of the interesting questions that came up was around products versus content. So if you're running a media company, what is your product? I'm still trying to wrap my head around the idea of products as opposed to content. You know, even when I was at the newsroom in the Straits Times, it was always about the story, right, the content. And then when I went to Arts Equator, it, it felt like we are on a digital space. So there was like more room to tell the story, but it was still very much like content first. And so like, I'm really trying to train myself to be like, okay, think of it as products instead. Because I did feel that it's very useful, but it requires my mind to kind of reconfigure it yeah yeah yeah. I I think that's such a good place to be in though that you're like open to that I I really feel like that's key in the Mm. sort of digital space journos are so intelligent you never have any shortage of like great content but you have a lot of competition around how that content's packaged up and put out there I mean in the digital space we're competing with Spotify and Netflix, you know, like everyone that's there is, it's like an open field. For many media businesses, our product is often not just our content. Our product could be your newsletter, website, a video series on YouTube, or a subscription podcast. These are all content products. But what's different is how you package that content for the audience. If you need some more tips on how to create product strategy, head back to episode two of our foundation series. I also really just wanted to highlight this point that change has made. Media companies are no longer just competing against each other. We're competing for attention from consumers who are probably spending their free time watching YouTube or Netflix. Your product has to fit into that ecosystem. It's a constant battle for the attention of your customers. And that on-demand lifestyle is why traditional newspapers have been struggling. If your audience loves watching creators on TikTok, then focusing on a media product that involves a print publication is probably not the right move. Media brands need to be adaptable to make sure we're reaching audiences wherever they are. One of the other areas that Nabila was curious about was whether the audience might be willing to pay for a subscription. This can be a difficult thing to figure out from a survey. But it's important to remember that while some publications have moved to a full subscription model, you don't have to go to that extreme. There are plenty of publications that offer bonus content and still keep the core of the product free for most users. Jane had some great tips for how Arts Equator could approach this question. I think the kind of like media landscape in Singapore is such that like it would be really hard to ask all our readers to pay something to read like some of the content but I do feel there is a a scope for like more premium kind of membership or instead of like more premium thinking about it as if you could afford it would you pay to support independent arts Mm -hmm. you know like that kind of 100% um, and it it doesn't need to be all your readers it could just be like this very small core group that you know provide an additional revenue stream for you that it's Mm. maybe it's like 30% of your revenue, something like that, but it just grows it out and it's a small core group. And like, it's just how you package it up. Like the messaging and marketing around it might be like, you are paying for this so that other people have the benefit. Um, You know, there's some people that that Mm. messaging really resonates or maybe you might offer sort of, um, you know, like membership perks, like once a month, these special members get to have a call with you or something, you know, or they um, get like free mm-hmm. tickets to things if you sort of have connection. You know, there's, there's things like that that you can do um, right. where you don't, you don't necessarily need to think of it as all or nothing, like everyone pays or no one pays. It could just be 
a core group um, that can afford to pay and much the same way you did with your crowdfunding or that you might do if you were trying to get a grant or something like you can just it's just how you market it and Mm. how you sort of package up that yeah yeah, that like revenue thing so how do you figure out what your audience wants from your product running audience surveys can be incredibly valuable but understanding what your users want broadly comes down to asking the right questions Jane has some great tips on how you can figure out what your users actually want from your publication. When we're trying to figure out what our readers want and what kind of products we should be producing with that in mind, the most important thing for us to to answer that question is basically just having a test and learn mindset. So that might mean asking the audience directly, what are their needs? How can we meet those needs? Or it might be a case of digging into the data, but approaching that data with a genuine curiosity and not trying to sort of, you know, just affirm beliefs that we already have, coming to that data with a a genuine hypothesis that we're willing to have proved wrong. So when it comes to figuring out what people want, test and learn, ask, or look at the data, but just be genuinely curious about that data. When we're thinking about what products to build next, really it comes down to two questions. One, does it meet an audience need? You know, so does anyone want this product? Is there an appetite for it? How do we know that there's an appetite for it? Have we done a, you know, prototype in the past or something similar that really resonated? Is there something in the data that we're looking at? And then the other question we need to answer is, Does it align with our mission statement and our needs? Often in the media, we fall into the trap of trying to solve our problems by producing more content, usually in the same form that we've always done. We see a problem, and then we start writing articles to fill that void. We make executive decisions as editors, and often we'll inform those decisions with analytics. But just because we want to get some traction on a story through our analytics dashboard doesn't mean we're actually solving the problem our audience has. Maybe we're missing out on the real opportunity because we're only paying attention to our analytics dashboard. The only way to figure out the problems we need to solve for the audience is to ask them directly. One more tip, don't ask them what they need from their media. Ask them what problems they're going through in their actual lives. Through the School of Splice, Nabila and Arts Equator were able to go to their audience, the true fans, and to find out what they actually needed. They ran an audience survey, and the results were surprising. I went to speak to five uh, readers. I think it was like five of your most insightful readers or something like that. So I spoke to five of them. They were kind of um, across the different capacities in the arts, you know, whether they were an artist or just an audience or a researcher. And three of them were from Singapore. One was from Cambodia, one Thailand. So trying to kind of cover the region, so-called. And certain problems that I kind of recognize just from like those five people is that number one, um, there's not enough coverage of uh, non-SG, non-Singapore stuff. So, you know, being a kind of Southeast Asian-focused website, that's already a kind of mismatch. And then our users don't know what to expect from us because we do so many things that it could be like a podcast this week and then next week is an article and then tomorrow is a sponsored feature and stuff. So they don't know what to expect. And hence, even someone who's kind of like a loyal uh, follower is like, 
I'm not going to go to see your stuff because I don't know what is there and I feel like what is there may not even be for me, you know. So I feel like even our loyal readers are kind of confused and the people who are new or more transient readers are not loyal. I don't know, I feel like in a sense, like you're not hitting either one. And there was a general need for just better quality content or commentaries, which we do, but we don't do enough of. So those were already things that I got from the chats. Arts Equator discovered from its audience survey that its users were very intersectional. Artists were often consumers of art. People that read art content either consume art or work in the field to produce it, display it. So there's a lot of crossover in this community, which is not surprising. Nabila was also able to gain many deeper insights into some of the problems this audience was facing, especially in a post-pandemic world, and this sparked a lot of ideas. So certain problems that users said they would, you know, need help solving, I actually identified six. So one is general issues facing the arts. So issues of not enough funding, you know, the arts is not valued by, you know, most practical people, and then kind of inequalities within the arts. So, you know, like kind of younger independent practitioners. So those are kind of issues just generally facing the arts. And then in terms of like maybe content and our and arts equators specifically, there's a lack of informative, critical, insightful content about Southeast Asia that is not Singapore. So that's already maybe the space that we should immediately occupy rather than trying to do all the other things as well. There is also a lack of jobs, opportunities and networking. So as a creator, we do something called Lobang where we uh, talk about jobs and opportunities and that's really, really popular. But we only do that once a month. And actually, if that's like really valued, then maybe we should think about what are other things we can do because some people are willing to pay even to be part of exclusive networking events perhaps. The other interesting insight for Arts Equator was that some of the audience would be willing to pay for certain products without much change to the core offering. One is like we have a community of invested audiences who are hungry for meaningful engagement and high quality content. And some of them are willing to pay for this content already. And some of them feel that we already have that content, but we are also doing other stuff that's kind of crowding the picture. So I feel that we should go to them, we should engage them, we should maybe already explore membership or getting some people to pay for content. And then also I feel that we should explore more in-person events or maybe even, you know, working with companies to get ticket discounts or certain other exclusive things. As a small team, Arts Equator needs to work smarter to find ways to grow and scale the business. And throughout School of Splice, Nabila and the team have been able to learn a lot about what the audience wants and to come up with solutions. Ultimately, ideas are easy, but choosing which idea to pursue, that's where things get hard. Here's Jane Money again. That's the questions that we ask. Is it meeting an audience need? Is it going to drive growth? If it's a yes in both of those areas, then that's the kind of product that we'll build. If one of those areas doesn't quite stack up, then we might interrogate that idea a little bit more before we go ahead with it. In terms of coming up with what ideas around what to build, I think in a newsroom, in my experience at least, there's never a shortage of ideas. It's just about getting disciplined around which ideas to execute on. Hey, thanks for listening to The School of Splice. This episode was hosted by me, Rashad, and Alan Soon. Production by the team at Lawson Media. You can find all our other episodes and meet the rest of this amazing media startup community at our website, schoolofsplice.com. We'll speak to you again soon.